0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. When I was in college, I shattered all the bones in my hand, all the metacarpals, and they had to do, they put metal plates and screws in there, and it was healed. But I I was, when I was in worship, I was brought back to this, this terrible flashback of showing up to rehab every week, and they'd make you do these awful things while there were still stitches. And it was so uncomfortable, but God was telling me that if... You get uncomfortable now, it won't be stuck later. And if you're willing to stretch past what's comfortable, what feels safe, then when the head of the body communicates to the hand and commands it to open up, you'll actually be able to. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'm going to open up to Matthew 3. And if you guys would just open up your hearts to what the Holy Spirit's saying, I believe He wants to seed you tonight with something that goes way beyond tonight. I'm very excited. So in Matthew 3, it says this In these days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And here Matthew is quoting Isaiah forty. I um, mean back in those days, when a king was coming, they would um, Level the ground. So if something was too high, they make it level, um, they bring it low. Uh, and if it was too low, they bring it up. They'd straighten the path for a king. So it's like, it's a lot of work, but it's anticipation of a king coming. So they'd level the ground back in those days. They'd straighten it so they'd correct any trajectory of the road that wasn't lining up with where they're going so they don't miss the mark. They'd smooth it out. So think sandpaper, right? They would, um, they would be rough with something in order to make it smooth for the king to come. And they'd repair stuff. So wherever the road had been damaged, like let's say there was a disconnect or a hole in it, they'd reconnect it and they'd fill it because the king was coming. And that's a lot to do. Like I said, there was an expectation of the king coming. So we have John the Baptist this wonderful John the Baptist here, and he's preparing the way of the Lord. What does he do? He says, repent. Which is not a dirty word. See, John had a lot of construction to do. He had a lot of work to do here. like in terms of actually leaving the way for the kingdom, the kingdom's coming. The king has arrived. The culture of heaven is here. Boom, it's at hand. And John was tasked with preparing the way. Put into context the fact that they had been waiting for hundreds of years for Jesus to come. Generation after generation after a generation had gone by without knowing the beauty of Jesus that these people that John was speaking to got to meet. Jesus is here, and he's preparing the way for him. The majesty of Christ that we get to enjoy for hundreds of years. They've been waiting for him. Does that make a little bit more sense here? I, had to stop, I literally put my notes, stop and breathe there, because I'm like, yeah. you can get lost in the majesty of Christ. Yeah. With that heart, preparing the way is so important. They've been waiting, almost getting cobwebs on some of these promises they've been waiting for. So leveling and straightening and smoothing and repairing was wrapped up in this one word, repent. But God spoke through John, and he said this, I know how we can bring these high things low, repent. The kingdom of heaven's here. I know how we can correct the trajectory so that we do not miss the mark here. Repent. The king has arrived. I know how we can smooth some of these rough areas out for hundreds of years. Repent. The rule and the reign of Christ is at hand. I know how to reconnect these places that have been damaged and fill that which has been empty. (gasps) Repent. And then Jesus comes in, and he gets, he, he gets baptized, and he gets tested. But before he even gets his first disciple, he says the same exact thing. He starts with Matthew 4, verse 17. For that time, Jesus began to preach and say, oh, repent. I had to double check that my Bible says the same thing. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the way, the same way that the kingdom was getting prepared for is the same place that Jesus started his ministry. Preparation looked a lot like the inauguration. It was all one thing at that moment, repent. They both started in the same place. So as we're going at this new module, we had a wonderful time in intimacy and and a wonderful teaching, even, even the posture of surrender being mentioned last week was setting us up to walk into this, this new thing we're talking about, the kingdom. But before we even dive any further in the kingdom, I think it's important to start where Jesus started and where John was like clearing the way out, cool? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, it's so funny, because Jesus, right as he started that, he's like, repent, the kingdom of heaven's here. And then you go into like the next three chapters, he is, he is doing some like, 66 level construction. Does that make sense? Anyone ever been on 66 recently in the past few years? Like That's 30 years. 30 years, yeah. So but no, I'm 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 making a joke, but I'm being kind of serious. Like he goes he he talks about um um adultery and murder and and you think, you know, an eye for an eye, and he's like he's doing reconstruct he's 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 helping them reverse even the way they think. Does that make sense? So so, so John the Baptist is like we have to change the way we think because the kingdom's here. And the king gets changed. He's like, we have to change the way we think, guys. Come on. You think praying in public? No, 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 no. My father will reward you in private, and he, he starts to go on this this thing yeah. And it's funny, I use that story. Um I use this I use the, the um 66 uh example there. Um but I actually went on 66 one time, and they're working on stuff. And please remind me to tell you the story later. Somebody like put it in their notes. Remember the 66 story, because I think that would be important. But I'll stick to the script here. So he starts with, reverse the way that you're thinking. Um, that's what repentance means. At least that's what my study Bible told me. It's a reversal of thinking. meta uh, Metaneo. metaneo. I'm not Greek, so I don't know what that is. But I do know how to break things down. And the first word is meta. Um, It's a very distinctive word, kind of like um, in Scripture it's used as, it shows up as after or with. So an example might be, after I have my first child, I was never the same. I was humbled. After Levi came, my life was not my own. There's a distinction in that word meta that makes up the first part of repentance. And it's after this point. Nothing was the same. Yeah, or with. Another time it's translated as with. It's like, with you, I feel safe. With you, I get real goofy. When you're here, there's a distinction. I'm not, I can't even recognize myself when I'm with you. It's a very distinctive word, that word meta. And then, neyoa. Boom, that's right. That's how you say it. Um, (laughs) No, it means to perceive with your mind to think, or to understand. So repentance is a clear distinction in how you perceive with your mind. A clear distinction in how we think, a clear distinction in how we understand. I thought this way before I had my first baby. I'm only this way when I'm with you. It's a clear distinction in how we perceive things. Isn't it good? So don't you see the invitation, Jesus and John as well? They're both saying we have to have a clear distinction because the King is here now. And he goes on it. Okay. Um, um. Uh. What was I going to say? Oh, the the sixty six story. So once upon a time, I'm stopped in. Dead. I'm talking about so much traffic. I pulled my computer out of my bag and I was just making songs. I had time to like make a song on my computer while I'm sitting in traffic. I'm 66 East, I think. So 66 going towards DC. And um, all of a sudden we started moving. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Literally, did I know where we were moving to? Okay. We were moving and they took us through the like police spot where they, they separate, and then we started driving on 66 West the wrong way. Isn't that crazy? They were doing so much construction, which is exciting. Anyone excited for new lanes on 66? Yeah. Come on. It's more yes, more lanes. It's, it's exciting stuff. So I was sitting there all grumpy, but then I'm actually going. I'm going the reverse way on 66 East. Literally, I'm seeing things. I was so uncomfortable and so nervous, and so like, I was like, scared and like, this is weird. <sighs> but it was for new lanes coming. They sent me westbound. I'm sorry, they sent me, yeah, they sent me, yeah, for sure, I'm going reverse there, if that makes sense. But this is what Jesus and John invite us into. Because of what's being built, because of what's being established here, I need you to go the other way, the complete opposite way. It may be uncomfortable, it may make you nervous, you may not be, It may your heart be pounding. You may be even worried about what people are thinking of you driving westbound on 66. But in order for this to be built, you need to go the other way. I'm, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to Revelation, um, just me. I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 4, um, verse 4, and then th- back into verse 8. But before we go there, please allow your hearts to arrive at this next point before your heads do. Or before your notes do. Cause this is not a kingdom verse, quote unquote. But it is a kingdom verse. I mean literally you have this man who's sucked up into heaven, and we're saying the kingdom of heaven's here. If you want to know what's happening in heaven, here's a here's a little look into it. Twenty four elders, sorry, let me slow down there. This is verse four. Twenty four thrones surrounded him, and twenty four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head. And I'm going to skip over to the back end of eight, verse 8 here. It says this. Day after day and night after night, they kept saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And whenever the living beings gave glory, they gave up glory and honor, they let go of honor, and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, The one who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne. The one who lives forever and ever. And they lay down their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. (laughs) For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. It's so hard for us to give up the old way of thinking when we see God the same way we always have. It is so hard. I won't even put you guys in this. It is so hard for me to give up my old mindset of what church should be, of what my role in the church should be, or as a, as a husband, as a father, whatever it is, or as someone who just comes to this thing as a student at the school board worship. It is so hard for me to let go of my old mindset, if I still see God the same way. (sighs) How we see him will determine what we're willing to surrender to him. They saw holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. And they said, oh, that's what he's like? Well, let me bow down and worship and you can have this crown on my head. That's why a reversal of thinking, a turning around, I think of that song. I could not stop singing it. Turn around every now and then. I get you know. I don't even know the words. I can't. But and I need you now. It's night. Come on. Um, but there's sorry. I didn't. I to you distracted. That's why a reversal of thinking is so crucial. A turning around of how we think is so crucial before we dive into any questions about the kingdom. I'm going to skip a little bit later to Matthew because there were some people who had questions about the kingdom. The disciples who followed Jesus were like, all right, quick question. This whole thing we're doing, like the whole thing we're working on. And they had to ask questions. So we're going to jump to one of those questions in um, Matthew 18. Sorry. Matthew 18, verse 1. Oh, my gosh. We just thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you some time to turn there write it down or whatever. I just want to thank him for love. it. The king is still here. if you forgot. Okay. Are you there? Evangeline's there. Matthew 18, verse 1. Okay, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So they were asking questions about the kingdom. Thank you, God, for these disciples. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become... Oh, pause. Let's just take a second. Converted here actually means to turn around. At least that's what my study Bible says. So let's try that again. Assuredly I say to you, unless you are turned around and become as <laughs> turn around, become as a little as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm not going to read five yet. I don't think you're ready for five. So let's read it again. Well, I don't know how read it. I just read it there. I, I was going to, I had a thing in my note of like, emphasize turn around. I think you guys get it. The invitation here to learn about the kingdom was saying, oh, you want to know about the kingdom? Here, you have to turn around and humble yourself and become like a little child. Why? I think you're ready for verse five now. Okay. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. That verse, I thought forever, was because Jesus just likes kids a lot. Seriously, I genuinely thought that for 27 years. Jesus loves kids, so he just threw that in there. You want to learn about the kingdom? Also, I love kids. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, you must be turned around and become like a little child or you'll by no means enter the kingdom. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child will be the greatest in the kingdom. Then he says this immediately after: Whoever receives me, like, uh, receives one of the little. I got too excited. Receives one of the little children like this, and my name also receives me. Why? Because Jesus was a little child. He was a son of God. He was saying. Listen, this is what it's like to inherit the kingdom. This is what to walk in the kingdom, to experience the kingdom. You have to, you have to become a little child. Hey, you want an example? Look at me. I'm the son of God. Everything I do is dependent on him. What I say, what I everything, I'm completely dependent on him. He's not immature. He's not irresponsible. He's not childish. But he is like a child in the sense that he's dependent. No, 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 let me scratch that because I I was taught that growing up too. In fact, we've talked about this past is is this thing of, you know, child, there's a difference between childlike and being childish. And I was like, yeah, but I was still childish. It didn't help me at all. What helped me was the definition, the distinction that I found with God in being childlike is not your behavior, but who your dad is. Who is your dad? Can I read one more version of this? In Luke chapter 18. Jesus. In Luke chapter 18, verse 15, it talks about um, how we should receive the kingdom here. Um, Chapter 18, what did I say? Chapter 18, verse 15. Oh, there it is. Thank you for highlighters. Thank you, Jesus, for highlighters. Okay. Is everyone okay? We're good? The clock's good? This is great. Then I'm going to start reading here in verse 15. It says, Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. Jesus, thank you for solid parents. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And I just wrote a small note here saying, how we receive the kingdom will determine how we enter it. So I asked myself, have I allowed myself to truly, like a child, receive the kingdom? Really? Have I? Like from a father to a son. There's not many things I give to Levi that he asks questions about. If I'm like, we're having ice cream, he's like, Dah! ice cream he never asked do I deserve this ice cream so I asked myself have I allowed myself to truly like a child receive the kingdom I'll be honest with you guys, I was not expecting to get through so much of this so fast. I thought this was going to take at least like three or four weeks. I thought I was going to be up here for three or four weeks, but we're, we're flying through this, so we're going to keep going. <sighs> Will you allow your heavenly Father to actually be your Father? That's the question I ask for you. Mm-hmm. The other question was just for me, but you, get, like, you guys get the tough one. <laughs> Can you let God actually be the one who shapes and molds you? My father affirmed me and tell me who, tells me who I am. Can we actually let him affirm us and tell us who we are? Can we actually let him define how we see the world around us? Why? Why? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against news, but why would I let the news define how I see the world around me? I'm not against news, but it's not my dad. <sighs> when I was like eight years old-ish, um, I my my parents were divorced, so I would go spend time with my dad, and then I'd come with my mom, and she could always tell the difference. There's nothing bad. I just when I would go down to Richmond, my grandma Lundy and my great grandma Frank's was um, they were very political, I guess I don't know. So I would come home and I'd be like, Mom, I can't believe George Bush is out here. He's so stupid with what and I was and I was talking all this stuff, and I was like, I can't believe our troops are the. I'm eight years old, not even in second. I'm in like the the red reading group, not even the blue reading group. I can't even read that well. And I'm sitting here giving these geopolitical points as a second grader. And what's crazy is when I went away with my dad, I would come back with these things. And this is, I love, I mean, I'm, this is not a political talk. This is a the way that I saw the world was shaped by my time with my dad. Even to the point where I have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you guys in this room have no idea what you're talking about. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Some of you guys don't understand prosperity fully, but you're still walking prosperous lives. I'm telling you, my son doesn't ask about ice cream. When I say there's ice cream, there's ice cream. He's like, yeah. But can we allow him to actually shape how we perceive this world? See, when I would come home, my mom asked this very familiar question. Oh, if you have your Bibles, it's in, I think, Genesis 3. We're not going to go there tonight, but she says, who told you George Bush is stupid? Who told you you were naked? Remember that question. It's so funny. It's so funny. They started Adam and Eve started to shape the world around this, this idea, and the first thing God said, "Who told you? to? What in the world?" She was she, my mom was just as confused. Like, what are you thinking? Will we actually allow God, our Father, to discipline us and correct us? See, Adam and Eve in the garden, they had a conversation with this with this um, serpent, and he convinced them to. Um, eat this fruit, and then once they did, the knowledge of good evil, everything changed about how they sinned themselves. And so once they sinned, they covered themselves, they hid from God, and they were automatically in charge of disciplining themselves. Mm. I've never seen Levi d- spank himself. I mean, we never spanked him either, but I've never seen him send himself to his room. <laughs> in fact, he does the opposite. He runs to me oh my gosh it was so funny the other day he like threw something and it knocked megan's yogurt over and i saw it immediately and i grabbed megan because i was like be gentle <laughs> she i just i just know what that's like when he makes a mess and we just got this couch and he just like stained it immediately like one day maybe immediately stained it and i grabbed it and i was like be gentle with him and then he comes running to me and i'm like it's okay it's okay, you didn't mean to, but here's what. Let's go help mommy clean up and let's do this stuff. There was no animosity in my heart. Now imagine if, if he spilled that yogurt and then just went and ran and hid and beat himself up. Now I'll tell you, I used to do that whenever I'd sin, or look at something I'm not supposed to, and I, I'd get caught, and I, it would affect my relationships. I would run and hide in them. We won't go there, I guess we don't. I, I'll just leave that there. We won't, we won't. I'll stick to my notes here. I didn't look like you guys wanted to go there, <laughs> but let's go back to this question of will we allow. God, to be our father, even in how we discipline ourselves. We shouldn't discipline ourselves. Who was their father in that moment? See, who was shaping the way they see the world? Who was telling them who they were? Who was affirming them? Who was protecting them? Who was providing for them? Who was it? Who was their father? And some of you guys might be like, it was the father of lies. The sneaky snake. It was the father of lies. I'm cool with it. I'm fine. We can rock rock with that. But actually, he, all he did was um, convince them to eat the fruit. Yeah. I'm going to read it here for a second. Actually, well, just give me a second. All he did was to convince them to eat the fruit. From that point on, this fruit, the knowledge of good and evil, is what shaped how they saw the world. The knowledge of good and evil is what shaped how they saw themselves. The knowledge of good and evil, see what they knew, told them who they were. I know enough to be my own protector now. See you later. I know enough to provide for myself. See you later. And I'm, I'm, we, can, we can go here and make fun of Adam and Eve, but I'm telling you, I've done that this week. When I felt unsafe in relationships, I've gone and said, okay, I'll keep my heart safe. I got it. I'll be my own dad this time. Or, or working, looking at my finances and being like, oh, I'll provide for myself. I know. Before we even go to our dad about... I've never seen Levi worry about our finances. I've never worried about our finances w- with my dad when I was growing up. I wasn't like, oh, I've got to get a job. Eight, eight, eight years old, George Bush sucks, so i got to get a job. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love George Bush. But, but here's how it happens. And we can go back to Revelations 4 and 5, too, for that matter. But this is what, um, uh, in Genesis 3, verse 4, it says this. And this is the, the sneaky snake talking. The father of lies. It says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the, and the woman was convinced and saw that it would look beautiful and stuff like that. See, maybe he was fathering her. He changed the way she saw the world. But the thing that he was attacking wasn't the. he didn't go, oh, it's such a good fruit. Come on. He said, no, God is a bad God. He was saying, God, he just doesn't want you to be like him. He changed the way she saw God, and therefore she surrendered something. See, how we see God will determine what we're willing to surrender. And if we're listening to the father of lies, then it will change how we see our father, and then it will change what we're willing to surrender. He's not that. He does. What a bum God we have. He just wants to want me to get some glory. <sighs> Done in Genesis. Okay. <laughs> so, was God defining how they say the world? No, he wasn't. They were. They defined themselves, they disciplined themselves, all because they knew right from wrong. I've been there too, I'm not making fun of them. So it goes back to being a child, and I think this is why, and maybe I'll close with this. Oh. The clock is right again, right there again. I love it. This is why, um, and I'll go there Matthew 6. Remember, this is in the middle of Jesus' tear. Of um, He's, he's, he's lighting everything up. He's on the 66 mode, just destroying everything we love. Um, in Matthew 6, he's, he's, he's addressing prayer. And he had just got done talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and how they pray in public and it's about praying. He's like, he's like redoing, he's turning around how they think about prayer. And he says, if, when you pray, pray like this. This is uh, Matthew 6, verse 9. When you pray, pray like this. I'm reading out of the NLT, so it might, it might not match up. Um, but it says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I'll read a little more. May your kingdom come soon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So before we even get to the kingdom he starts with our father. And I think tonight is huge the same thing. We're starting a module the kingdom. But we have to start with our father. And not only our father, we have to be almost like um crazy about him. We have to be freaks about him like like um I don't know how to I'm like I'm like getting fired up just thinking about it. But he says, our Father, may your name be kept holy. Hallowed be thy name. Holy means set apart. That means that whatever your name is, let nothing get near it. If you're my protector, let you be my protector and no one else. I take my hands off protecting myself. If you're my provider, I let everything else, nobody, you provide for me, nobody else. I have a job, I have, but you are not my source. Job, you are not my source. Whatever, you name it affirming who I am, how I say the word, whatever the role the Father takes, El Shaddai. Oh. I, used to, I used to take care of, oh no, we can't go, I got to stick in my notes, goodness gracious. No, I'll say it, okay, but this is not in my notes. I'll just say it to you guys because I love you. I used to take care of nurturing myself. When I'd feel bad, I wouldn't allow the Holy Spirit to nurture me. His name as as my comforter was being mixed up with. I could could let him comfort areas that I feel comfortable with him touching, but other areas that I feel guilt and shame about, I took care of myself. And it actually, we talked about this last week, I said before you life and death, it was leading to death. Back in the garden, I know what's right, I know what's wrong, but there was also a tree of life. And what I was doing was, because I know what's right or wrong, I'm going to nurture myself. I'm going I'm to comfort myself. And it actually led me towards death. I didn't drop dead when I did it, but I postured myself towards death. <sighs> Does that make sense? This idea of repentance is so crucial. Wait, let me, let me just not speed past the fact that we have to start with our Father. Does that make sense too? Um, in fact, this conversation we're about to go into next is... Is, um, is it has to be filtered through our father because otherwise you're going to have people in here who rebel because they love control, and me included. I'm a huge fan of it. I don't know why it gets such a bad rap. I love having control. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is whenever a king comes in the room and is like, hey, I want to have control, if we don't see it as a father, then, then it can, it, we can like fight against it. it. It can be hard to let go of. Um. If, if, if repentance is a reversal of how we think, um, the first word I thought of when I heard reversal was when I was, when I was in um, high school, I wrestled. And in wrestling, you get points if you get a reversal. And all the reversal is, is someone, there's a shifting of control. So if I take you down and I have control over you, then I get two points. And if you get out and get around and, you are, and you're in control of me, then you get two points. And so they reward a reversal of control. Does that make sense? A shifting of control. And so when he comes on the scene and says, repent, the invitation is for us to, oh, I didn't even tell you my favorite move. My favorite move was this thing called the switch, where you start out on bottom and there's someone in control of you. And I was, I was, oh, I was nasty at it. All you have to do is you push one arm over this, you move your hips out, and they, the weight of who they are just falls. And then you get on top, and now you're in control. It's great. <laughs> it's great. This is the invitation that God was just bringing us into when he said the king is here. Can I have control? Will you shift the weight in your life? Will you shift where the weight is in your life and give me control? Come on. Please? Because the king's here. And there's a throne that you're actually sitting on that I would love to sit on. But I'm not saying that to allude to that we're wrestling against God. No, that's not it. We're not not wrestling against God. But I will say this. Peter looked so silly one time when Jesus was saying, I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to lay down my life. And he said, no, I would never let that happen. There is some things that even with the most pure of hearts, we're actually working against the kingdom of heaven. But thank God for Jesus speaking to us, man. Because otherwise he'd still be alive, you know? I mean, he's still alive right now. But like, if he just listened to Peter, like, oh, you're right. Why should I die? (laughs) Then we'd all be ruined here. (sighs) Okay. Okay. I think that's all I have to share with you. But I'll end with this um, invitation. To be turned around by God. Like if you want to be turned around by God this week, to give him control. He's in the room. The king is here. So, Jesus, we invite you to turn us around this week. Even now, I mean, we have like 10, 11 minutes left. We give you permission to change how we see you, and we surrender our expectations of tomorrow. We surrender our expectations of what tonight looks like. We take our hands off of your role as our Father, and we allow you to father us. We become like little children. We become fully dependent on you. In the places we can't, we thank you for your grace. You set before us life and death, we choose life. Oh, Jesus, we choose life. We know what's right and wrong, cool. We surrender what we know about right and wrong so that we can have life. Yeah, turn our hearts around. Um, I was reminded of this one thing. and this is maybe for the guys, maybe for the girls, who knows, but (laughs) while I was praying, I got this picture of, like, the Patriot. You know, remember the movie The Patriot Mm -hmm. and um, Gladiator and, like, everything about surrender that I knew growing up was, like, never retreat, never surrender. Like, it was so celebrated to, like, you just kind of fight for your right to not give up, like in the Patriot. You know, the British were coming, in and Mel Gibson was like, "We're gonna fight." And I'm sitting there like, "Yeah, fight, fight, fight." And and then Gladiator, he's like, "I would rather die." I'm not trying to ruin any of these movies, but but even even the Notebook, stupid Noah in the Notebook was like, she had a boyfriend, and he's out there hanging on Ferris wheels, like, you know, I know you're with your boyfriend right now, but I refuse to surrender, and you celebrate that this refusal to surrender. Because they only surrender if they're like one of two things, which is one, they're they like, Ah, oh, you know what? I can't beat these guys. Like, they're way better. They're way bigger. They're way, way stronger. So I'll quit. Oh, my pop, bo- my mic. Jeez. It's <laughs> gracious. All right, Jesus, man, shut the heck up. <laughs> or two, the last, the last reason why they'd surrender is... um Well, they wouldn't. They, they would rather die than surrender. And sometimes, as stupid as it sounds, I actually posture myself towards death because I'm not willing to surrender. No retreat, no surrender. And because of that, I actually start dying inside. I, I, I'm going to be my, I hold on to comforting myself. Not you, God, or I think I can do this better than you, the same way Mel Gibson did. I can do this better than you. I'm <clears throat> better. And if we think we're going to be a better father than him, then we actually start posturing ourselves towards death. So the start of the start of um, being fathered is willing. I mean, really, just giving up control, giving up his role, keeping his his role sacred, keeping it set apart. Okay, now I'm officially done. God doesn't have to yank on my mic anymore. I love you guys a ton. I hope you guys are blessed. And um, as a family, I can't wait to see where we go in this module of the kingdom, not just in this building, but in your guys' lives Um, and with him as your father. Have a fantastic night. In Jesus' name, amen.